Hi there, thanks for taking the time to download this sermon podcast from Portobello Baptist Church. Normally we would be putting up a regular sermon podcast, but unfortunately we had some technical issues in church yesterday, that's the 30th of June 2019, and so we weren't able to record our talk from yesterday. I've decided to try and lay down just maybe 10 or 15 minutes of what the main points were in the sermon yesterday. The reason for that is that the sermon was the conclusion of our series in the book of Colossians, and I know a number of people are on holiday and may like to listen to it. So hopefully this is helpful for you, and we'll uh, hopefully not have to do it again because we'll solve the technical issues that caused the problem yesterday. Thanks for listening. We've been journeying through the book of Colossians now for about 10 weeks and we've seen a great deal of what it is that the Apostle Paul is trying to teach throughout the book of Colossians. In particular, we've seen how he has painted a picture of Jesus as the Lord of all things, that he is the one who has supremacy in everything. And really all the rest of the book is about then thinking about how we bring our lives into line with that and what the implications are for that. So we see how uh, if we come under the, the lordship of Jesus, we find places of growth and of maturity. We see that as we bring that lordship of Jesus into the church, we see how the church community is formed in that way. We also see what it means, and this was what we spent the last two weeks looking at, is If Jesus is Lord, then what does that mean for the household? And we saw over the last couple of weeks how that really does turn on its head some of the assumptions that were made in the Greco-Roman world about how the household should function, about what the head of the house should be, how he was supposed to live towards his wife, his children, and his slaves. And we saw how Paul was radically undermining what was going on there. Well, today we come towards the end of the book of Colossians, and in theory we're going to look at the whole of chapter 4, but we're actually only going to look at the first few verses. Uh, The reason for that was that most of uh, everything after the first few verses of chapter 4 are greetings, which can be helpful uh, to us for understanding context and understanding some of the people that were involved, but I couldn't find a fruitful sermon in there, and so today we're just going to look at the first few verses of Colossians chapter 4. So let us read together in Colossians 4. From verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. The Word of God. There's a burger chain in the western United States called the In-N-Out Burger Chain. And uh, that whole notion of In-N-Out is really one that I think Paul is getting at here in this passage in Colossians, where there's a movement inwards and a movement outwards. And actually, it's a model for a life lived 
under the lordship of Jesus. The, the movement inwards is this idea that Paul gives us of a devotion to prayer. And I want to suggest to you that there really is no Christian life, at least no growing, maturing, flourishing Christian life without prayer. That prayer is at the very heart of what it means for us to grow as Christians. And Paul here is telling us to devote ourselves to that. And while the, new, while the NIV, the New International Version, says that uh, we're to devote ourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, it can also be um, understood as saying, being said this way, that we are to guard our prayers with thanksgiving, or more specifically, it would say, guard your prayers with thanksgiving. And I think that's really helpful because this idea of guarding our prayers it, it leads us to think about the idea of an intentionality. See, we don't get to just have a prayer life that is entirely spontaneous. If we do that, we find ourselves getting to places where there's no intentionality about it, where there's no real sense in which prayer is forming us. We just grab in prayers where we need them, maybe when we're in trouble or maybe where we see someone else in trouble perhaps even just an occasional thankful prayer being thrown up, all of which are good. It's good to pray in those circumstances. But Paul here is saying that we should guard this devotion to prayer. And and actually, for us, that means taking some intentional steps to, to work at it, to have a discipline of prayer. And throughout the church history, prayer has been a discipline, something that we are to work at, something that we are to make space for in our lives, somewhere that we're to make time for in our lives. And so we we do end up with these kind of physical and time spaces that are needed to be carved out for prayer. And there's lots and lots of different ways for us to do this. There's not one correct way, but there are lots of different ways. There's loads of resources available. And attached to this podcast will be a a link to uh, some uh, resources that can be really helpful. I would recommend in particular one uh, new book, uh, a book called How to Pray by Pete Gregg, uh, which will be available in most Christian bookshops and certainly on Amazon, uh, as a really helpful introduction to simple ways of prayer. I've also found Brian Zand's material particularly helpful. It can be quite intense at times, but he has a really great way of melding together some of the stuff around ancient Christian prayers that he wants to use and the creeds, uh, while at the same time still having place uh, an intentional space for spontaneous prayers, Uh, prayers for things going on in our world, prayers for things happening in our families, prayers for things going on uh, in church, that sort of thing, Um, but all done within a structure. And I know many of us evangelicals, we don't love structure sometimes, we think it can uh, be Um, restrictive, but actually I think it's true to say that where we create healthy structures, we also create space for the Holy Spirit to move. And really that's what we want to do in prayer. We're not looking for some dry words thrown at a wall, but actually we are encountering the the living Lord, uh, living God, the one who desires to meet with us and to hear what we have to say. So have a look at some of those resources and think about how they might be helpful to you as you seek to guard your prayer life. But Paul is also clear that we're not just to guard it, but we're to guard it with thanksgiving. This is the basis of how we guard our prayers. And it seems that Paul and Timothy think that a posture of thanksgiving help us in this. 
there, there's a great deal been written in the last number of years about how gratitude and thanksgiving can actually affect our um, psychological well-being, that actually it's just a healthy thing to do. But here we see in the New Testament that Paul is saying to do this, that it's, it's part of the life of a Christian is to guard our prayers with thanksgiving, that thanksgiving is to be a regular rhythm for us. I have a friend of mine who showed me recently that he he keeps a daily gratitude list where he keeps a, a number of things each day and just writes them down for the purpose of beginning his day in a posture of thanksgiving, of recognizing all the good gifts that he has. Uh, and I think that's a really helpful rhythm. And also, I think to, in order to be have this posture of thanksgiving, then we require to take time. We require to slow down and actually be thankful, to recognize the things that we're thankful for, rather than just charging straight on through our daily lives. And I also want to say something just at a very practical level, that when we are being thankful, it's not just an internal process, that if we are thankful for people in our church community or just in our lives in general, it's a good idea to just go and tell them that, that it, it can be really healthy just to say to someone, do you know what, I'm really thankful for you for these reasons. And be specific, tell them why you're grateful for them. And in that way, we begin to create a posture in ourselves that, that raises expectation that God does good things, that it, it guards our prayer life because we recognize that it's not based in just constantly asking God for more, but it's based in a, a posture of thanksgiving that's saying to God, we recognize all that you have done. Would you do more? Would you be more for our world? Uh, would we see more of your lordship breaking in? Would, we, would you provide our daily bread? Those sorts of things as we that come as we recognize uh, God's goodness towards us. And so that's the first part of this section that we just read in chapter 4, that there's this guarding our devotion to prayer with thanksgiving. And then the second part is a, is a movement towards a, a more outward focus for our prayers. Paul requests that the Colossians would pray for him uh, and his work in, uh, in the world. And actually, it's really important that we retain that outward focus to our prayers. It keeps us from becoming self-centered. It retains a, a genuine concern for the wider world that we can see uh, in, our, uh, in the Bible. And we also know that last week when we prayed for our MSPs um, as part of the celebration of the 20th anniversary of the Scottish Parliament, that we did that because the Bible tells us to pray for those who are in authority over us. There's a sense in which Prayer should always be something that has an outward expression. It's not just about us or even our, our local community. It's also something much more than that. It's about what's going on in the world. It's about the, the, the mission opportunities that we have in front of us. And so there's that sense of praying for others. And then we get to the, the bit that I want to spend the rest of this, this talk on, which is the outward bit of the in and out movement. The, the completely outward bit. And it's not unrelated to our prayer lives. And I, I genuinely believe that if we get our prayer lives right, then we'll discover that actually a lot of this stuff about our outward life is much more easily shaped. And so what we saw what we saw in Colossians 4. Let me read to you just for a second uh, from 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. Uh, Peter here writes... 
but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. That might be a reasonable summation of the entire book of Colossians, actually. Peter goes on, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who seeks, who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. It's very similar, I believe, to what um, Paul and Timothy are writing in Colossians chapter 4, where we see them encouraging us to engage with the world in such a way that we express wisdom, first of all. Um, and, and that wisdom is, is, is godly wisdom. It, it, it's, it's what James talks about, that if we ask God for it, he will give us it. It's understanding how we can engage people in a way that is bold and courageous in terms of gospel proclamation, but also wise enough to understand that people will engage with us in different ways, that we have to be smart in the way that we communicate that in different spaces. That if someone walks into church on a Sunday, if you like, that's our territory. We can preach the gospel as boldly as we might want to. If someone's in our home, they're a guest, and so we will treat them that way. And so we may present the gospel in a slightly different way around the table and use different language than we might do if somebody was sitting listening to a sermon on a Sunday. I guess if we go as a guest to someone's house, then again the rules shift again. We just need to have wisdom about how we communicate to people in these ways, the language we use, the entry points we use to talk to people about Jesus and the gospel. I hope that makes sense. Paul then says that we are to make the most of the opportunities that we have. And and there's a boldness in this. It, it, it's actually being clear that when the opportunity is there to share the good news of Jesus with people in a way that is meaningful, that we take that, that we are courageous. And it's worth noting that that in our culture today, there's a a real hesitancy sometimes to to share the good news of Jesus, that, that we've become crippled by fear, sometimes because we've heard things in the media that say that, you know, that, that people will be angry with us or whatever if we share. But if we if we embrace that first part, that that wisdom, uh, or as Peter put it, the gentleness and respect with which we communicate, then actually we can take all the opportunities that present us. And we can do so without fear. I don't think our culture has turned so far that we can't, with wisdom and with graciousness, proclaim something of who Jesus is. We just need to be sure that we're doing it in that way. And then Paul carries on and says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. The first thing is those are conversations. And I don't know about you, but conversation for me conjures up the idea of relationship. And relationship is key here because we're not just speaking in a vacuum. We have earned, we earn the right to speak with people because of relationships. It's not the reason we're in relationships. We're made to be in relationships. Part of the, I guess, the, the covenant of being human is to be in relationship with one another. And as we do that, we do, people begin to trust us. People begin to wonder why we behave in certain ways. And so we get the opportunity to have conversations about Jesus. And we're to do that full of grace, which is the first thing that Paul mentions. And it's really critical that we do this. We're not to yell at people. It's not helpful to begin a conversation saying to someone, you need, you are a filthy sinner. It's not, it's not filled with grace. It's not the way God approached us either. 
God approached us in Jesus, uh, saying, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish. It's, it's a word of grace that comes to us. And so I'd encourage all of us that when these opportunities come up, then yes, there is a truth to the fact that we are all sinners. But if we begin there, we'll never get a hearing. Why not begin with the love of God? And then yes, allow that to bring conviction. Allow that to, to bring a sense of, of actually we need to do better or there, I can never be good enough. And then we get and again, get to bring the good news of Jesus. Because the, the good news of Jesus doesn't end at oh, someone recognizing their sinfulness. The good news of Jesus just begins there because that's where he deals with it. And then we get uh, that we're to be seasoned with salt, a, a preservative, something that is helpful and healthy uh, and bringing good things to the conversations that we are in. And then Paul finishes with, so that we may know how to answer everyone. Uh, our posture and our tone is actually part of the message. And we know that, right? We know that we don't get away with just having to think that somehow uh, it's the words that matter. Actually, the way we live towards people, the way we encourage people, those are going to be really critical moments for how whether someone's willing to listen. And then know how to answer everyone. Um, we can't answer everybody's questions. It's just not possible. Um, people will have sometimes genuine questions that are unanswerable by us, um, just by virtue of the fact that we're not God. We don't know the answer to everything. But on the other hand, there are many things we can know the answer to, or at least know the way that we would want to talk about them. And in yesterday's sermon, we used the example of Brexit, which is only because somebody asked from the congregation how we would deal with that. But it's a great point. How would we answer someone who brings that up? What difference does it make being a Christian thinking about this? It certainly means that there, that there are good Christians of good conscience on both sides of the discussion. And that's okay. We're good with that. What we also know, though, is that some of the rhetoric that has existed around this is distinctly unchristian. So it is hospitality is a key Christian ideal and something we should aspire to. So when we see uh, people in our country who are being told they're not welcome, that can't be the church's message. We have to have a different message to that. When we see people who are being picked on because they are different, that can't be okay for Christians because that for us is not an acceptable way to treat uh, an image bearer of God. Some of those things that we can begin to think about that are perhaps on the fringes of that discussion, but are ways that we can begin to answer why Jesus has something to say to every aspect of life, just as we've seen through the whole book of Colossians. I'm going to finish with this. The conclusion of all of this, this whole book in a sense, is that Jesus reigns. That's Paul and Timothy's overwhelming message, that Jesus reigns, that he reigns in every area of our lives. And when we live this way, we grow and we mature. And when we live it out, we should do so in both an in, in other words, in a way that we are cultivating a life of prayer and in an out sort of a way, which is a way that is engaged in mission and speaking with people in all sorts of contexts, in all sorts of ways, about all sorts of topics, always full of grace, seasoned with salt, and bringing the message of the Lordship of Jesus to all that would want to listen. That is the message of Colossians. And I hope this short 
little clip today has been helpful for you catching up with what we said yesterday in church. Thanks for listening. and All the very best from Portobello Baptist Church here in Edinburgh.